We learned clearly the local's important, but it's a tiebreaker. It's not a game changer as in I'm hanging a right instead of a left. So we've been careful that just because we're local, that does not mean people will come to us. It has to be with a purpose. So pricing, cost of goods, uh, you know, you can't pass along everything to the customer because it's local. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with International Justice Mission. Thank you to Philip Calvert and his team for the incredible work they do to bring awareness to the global problem of modern day slavery. I'm proud to share with my audience that I formalized my relationship with IGMs for becoming one of their Canadian ambassadors. Why? Because I believe we can end slavery in our lifetime, and I want to use my platform to be part of that mission. For many of you, hearing that statement may be a rallying cry. For the rest, it may be a moment of, wait, what? Slavery? Is that even a thing? For me, up to 12 to 18 months ago, it was the second. I did not even understand the problem or that it existed at the scale that it does. Currently, there are over 40 million people affected by modern-day slavery. 40 million people. After a chance meeting with Philip Calvert, National Director of Development for IGM Canada, my eyes were open to the reality that poor people face the world over, a reality of violence that stops them from ever moving forward in their life. At first, this made me uncomfortable. Then it made me downright mad. But then it gave me hope. It is support of groups like IGM that will allow us to reach the goal of ending slavery in our lifetime and give hope to people who may have none. I know this can be an uncomfortable conversation, and that is okay. That's why we're going to go on this journey together. Stay tuned as we host guests from IGM who will help educate us as well as upcoming events that where we can meet the amazing people that make the work they do a reality. Please join me in supporting this incredible organization by visiting and donating to their cause at www.igm.ca. We will only succeed in any slavery in our lifetime if we work together to make a difference. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Ken Keeler, CEO at Calgary Co-op. How are you doing, Ken? Great. How are you doing, Tyler? Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. I uh, have such a privilege to be able to have these conversations and coming in with just unbridled curiosity. So I might warn you ahead of of time. Um, Let's set the stage. If you live in Calgary or Western Canada, there is no chance that you probably don't know who I'm speaking to or certainly the organization that he represents. But I thought I would start right off the top. To the average consumer, I might stop at co-op one day. I might stop at Safeway the next day. I might stop at another store. But the co-op model is different. But that's where it kind of stops for a lot of people. So I thought I would just, I love to level the playing field of like, let's talk a little bit about what makes the co-op model unique. And then let's just unpack all the nuances around the role you play as such a critical part of, you know, wherever you are in the socioeconomic, grocery is such a critical part. And that's only one part of what you do. But let's level the playing field. Give us a little bit of maybe co-op 101. We'll start there. You betcha. So uh, the co-op model is uh, is is a... model that dates back many, many years. Of course, it's an old uh, business model. Uh, it's very community focused. And, uh, you know, if you go back years, uh, the co-op model was really created by uh, people who pooled their resources so they could buy cheaper and uh, get some efficiencies that way, um, kind of reduce their risk and improve their, uh, their competitiveness versus the marketplace. So that's kind of uh, going back years ago. Calgary Co-op is very unique uh, in that it is owned by 440,000 members here locally in Calgary and surrounding areas. And uh, Calgary Co-op's locations are largely in, in of course, uh, Greater Calgary, but we are also in uh, Okotoks, Cochrane, Strathmore, uh, High River. And uh, we, uh, we are very focused on our membership in terms of, uh, we call them member owners. They all have a, a right to vote and they vote uh, once a year on our board. We have nine board members who are elected from the membership and uh, they run uh, three three-year terms and so each year three board members uh, come up for possible uh, re-election. Okay. And uh, 
So at the heart of it all is uh, member ownership and uh, localness. You know, whereas many companies uh, profess to be local and they do some things that uh, certainly support the local economy, Calgary Co-op is actually owned by uh, local people and the investment goes back locally uh, when we, uh, you know, make an acquisition or we build a new store. Uh, all earnings, all investments are made on behalf of membership. So membership is at the heart of it all. Um, and I would say, so what does that mean to uh, the average shopper? To the, uh, the average customer across any of our lines of business, it really means that we're trying to do two, two things always. One, we're trying to drive financial sustainability. So our cooperative is 65 years old. It's a $1.2 billion cooperative. And we want to be here for another 65 years and longer. And so the only way to do it is to make sure that we're financially sustainable. It's, a not, uh, it's, it's not a not-for-profit model. Uh, co-op is uh, a cooperative right. is a for-profit model. And the second lens is the community uh, lens. So our team members and our members are very crucial to Calgary Co-op. And so whenever we're making a decision, uh, our purpose that we've defined within our strategy is to enrich our member communities. And in that, you'll see the enrich as well as the member community piece. And so it's about making sure financial sustainability as well as team members and members are looked after by any decision that, that we take. So uh, that's, uh, that's a little bit about uh, the cooperative model and Calgary Co-op. We have multiple lines of business. Many people think of Calgary Co-op and you go immediately to grocery. But we have 24 food stores. Within each of them is a pharmacy. Pharmacy is a massive business for Calgary Co-op. And it really checks both boxes, caring for the community. You know, you think about the pandemic and all the uh, COVID shots and so on, as well as it's a financially uh, important business to us. So food and pharmacy. Then we have on typically on the same pad, the same uh, location, we have mm -hmm. a, a gas bar with a convenience store and a car wash. Um, we have uh, a bunch of those. So we got about 38 uh, gas bars uh, with uh, C stores and uh, most of them with car washes. We also are in the liquor business. So I call that a recreational business. We have liquor and cannabis. And liquor is a very wonderful business for us. Calgary Co-op is very differentiated, and I'll talk more about that. And uh, cannabis, uh, Calgary Co-op was among the earliest to get in, in into the business, and uh, we uh, located uh, cannabis stores on our own pads. So we have 10 cannabis stores. We have a home health care business, uh, which is wheelchairs and crutches and ostomy and so on. A very successful business, uh, four locations. And uh, we've recently expanded with acquisitions in the last few years. We acquired Community Natural Foods. So mm -hmm. uh, we're driving natural foods growth here in Calgary. We have three locations. We've renovated uh, the one to a new uh, look, which we'll roll out as we go to other locations. And then uh, we acquired two pharmacies outside our food stores for the first time. And uh, they're called Beacon Pharmacy. One is at the Mustard Seed, and the other is at the Sheldon Shamir Center. These are very different to our typical pharmacies. They're focused on mental health, uh, drug rehab, and so on. So again, uh, you can see how everything we do checks those boxes. And the last comment I'll make as a, as a cooperative, uh, financial stability is very crucial. A lot of cooperatives have wandered off, uh, uh, off the key focus of their strategy and lost their way. For us, we have a very solid balance sheet. It's anchored by uh, you know, almost 650 million in real estate assets. So uh, I was gonna, I was gonna ask people, you, you, you own and operate all of your own uh, real estate as well. Not, not all of it, but about eighty percent of our real 80%? estate. So when okay. you see our locations and you see, uh, you know, a hairdresser or a, a restaurant or a bank, we have two hundred tenants on our location. Oh, interesting. And Calgary okay. Co-op is the fifth largest 
property taxpayer, corporate taxpayer, uh, on on land in Calgary. So uh, we have over over two million square feet of real estate. Uh, so I'll talk more about where that's going in as we as we. Discuss. No, I appreciate that. I'm curious a bit about the member model, and it feels. You know, reading some of your history and doing some of my, you know, my my private investigation that I do before these episodes, realizing how long, where something like a co-op, I would imagine, I'm putting my own filter on this, was a lot more impactful in terms of around a community and buying power and members. Where it feels everywhere you turn today, you're being asked to join some type of a collective. That's not the same. I know it's not a co-op model, yes. but I'm a member here and I get loyalty over there. Those 440,000 members. I'm curious the involvement and like as a value proposition. Um, does that really differentiate or is that with space guy also got a lot more noisy as other companies have tried to masquerade maybe as that, Oh, if you're part of this, you get, you know, obviously we get points and we get discounts yes, and we get those yes. things. It feels like a lot of replication of what was the original co-op model. <laughs> great, great, great question. Because beyond what I described in terms of members owning our cooperative and voting for their board who represents them and overseas management, uh, we also uh, pay, our, pay our patrons uh, patronage. So uh, member owners, I've got I've uh, gotten a co-op yeah. check in my day yeah. before. It's, so it's a fun was, moment. The yeah. first time you get it, you're like, what is this? Where's this? Yeah, coming from? last year was 22 million bucks, uh, roughly uh, in that region. And, uh, you know, every year at the end of the year, which is at the end of October, we'll do all the math. And in February ish, uh, members receive uh, checks and shares in co-op. So every share is a dollar. And uh, we, uh, you know, very proud to be able to pay that out each year. Um, we've been doing that for years, so we've put many, many millions back into Calgary, and uh, it all comes uh, largely out of, uh, you know, the earnings that, that we have as a business. Um, and so that's part of the model is patronage and equity. So you have shares and your patronage. Beyond that, you have what your traditional retailers have, which is a loyalty program. And so we do have a loyalty program, and we have avoided uh, what I will shamelessly call the voodoo that other retailers have in points <laughs> no, and miles and all of these things, the value of which, if you go back and do the math, and I'd love a show to do this math one day, is the value has deteriorated yes. over the years. So the cost of, uh, of what you're spending to get a mile or a point in any of those companies, I challenge that over the last 20 years, uh, that value has declined and sometimes it's declined annually. Whereas a dollar is a dollar is a dollar. So our, <laughs> our rewards program is purely based on dollars. When we offer uh, what we call MeWards uh, is our rewards program. Uh, we offer coupons and savings. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a basket offer, spend this, get that. Uh, it's usually just straight uh, savings in dollars. And so we don't want our members to have to do the math on what they're saving and have to come back and you know, invest points and go like, how many points is it to a dollar again? You know, all that stuff, which yeah. I've, I've seen elsewhere. I appreciate the uh, the term voodoo. <laughs> I, I, I recently was with one of my credit cards and because we're not traveling anymore as a business, we're accumulating points. So I said to my financial manager, so what's going on with these points and what are they worth? And the amount of points it took to pay off a dollar towards the card was like, is this even worth our time? So I've recently had a voodoo conversation unrelated to grocery, but very much when you peel back the layer and do yeah. what can arguably be simple math once you wade through, like they don't make it. The math is easy. Finding the numbers to do the math is tricky <laughs> sometimes. It certainly is. Um, 
curious around that and the voodoo and how competitive I've also, I've been told by people over the years, like the grocery business, that's a, that's a business about pennies. It's about a penny here and a penny there. This is tight margin, highly competitive, high volume. What's the reality of the competitive set and how, like, how is that shifting as everybody seems to be getting into every game from, you don't need a storefront anymore. You just need a website. And a lot of the world is changing and being disrupted, but it still costs money to do these businesses. How's that affected you guys? And, And we won't even touch on COVID yet. We'll circle back around that one but how's that been impacting on your business and you know what have you guys been doing to stay ahead of that yeah it's a great question you know at, at the heart of what calgary co-op is is strategy and so uh i i will you know remind uh whoever's watching this show that in 2015 2016 calgary co-op actually built a strategy we didn't have one uh, necessarily before that that was detailed and our strategy is all about inspired team members delivering exceptional customer experiences when we prepared that strategy, it was very data-based and we continued to track. We did 3,000 interviews. We did 15 focus groups and we landed what were our strengths and then where we wanted to go. And our strengths very clearly are fresh, local, community and service. And the number one area of strength for Calgary Corp actually is trust. When we measure trust and we've been measuring it ever since then, back in 2015-16, we've been measuring regularly and we always come out ahead of all retailers on trust. Uh, so um, the first thing I, you know, we, we noticed was that those were the things that made us truly different and set us apart from the marketplace. And we packaged those in the word exceptional customer experiences, products and services. And we also realized that we had a culture that is impossible to replicate. And so that culture was all about inspired team members who really embody our three uh, values, which also came out of that research, which are service, caring and excellence. So we didn't create new values. This was in the DNA of Calgary Co-op. It was all about localness with a personal touch. And so when you think about personal touch businesses and then you separate them from purely price and discount based businesses, you begin to understand who Calgary Co-op really is. So, uh, you know, I always say there's three parts to the market. There's the price end, which is densely populated. And there's a couple of successful players and the others are kind of hanging about, but they're not actually successful. Then there's the other end of the market, which is about experience. And it is very thinly populated. Calgary Co-op sits, I would say, uh, very alone and uh, on a hill in that area. And then in the middle is this valley of everyone else who's trying to be everything to everybody and going down. The valley is sinking, folks. Right. So uh, through COVID uh, times with the ups and downs, uh, and you mentioned e-commerce, e-commerce went up uh, dramatically during uh, the pandemic, but came down dramatically right after. And it stayed down, by the way. It hasn't gone up. So what that tells us uh, as a a cooperative that's trying to differentiate ourselves from our competitors is that experience matters. And in-store experience matters a lot. We've seen customers coming back in droves to our stores after the pandemic. um, And we've all seen e-commerce numbers going down. So our deal is all about nurturing our team members, differentiating for future proofing. And that differentiation is based on fresh local community service and trust um, and pulling the levers of, you know, typical retail levers of sales and profitability expenses and all of those things. But having a strategy, uh, Tyler, is what has really helped Calgary Corp weather the storm. And by the way, it's not a one and done strategy. It's a dynamic strategy. I can tell you, we've reviewed this strategy maybe 20 times, 30 times between now and 2015. Uh, And uh, each year we refresh it. So it's dynamic. And uh, last couple of things I'll say is, you know, 
in order to succeed, uh, we focus very much on being great, not good. So uh, there's a lot of retailers in that middle valley I talked about that are trying, you know, they're just trying to be good. Uh, you know, they grab everyone's flyer each week and go, oh, geez, oh, we match everybody's prices and, uh, you know, all this stuff. Uh, you can't be everything to everyone. So our strategy has defined a very specific target audience who we want to win with, which doesn't mean we exclude all the other customers and members mm -hmm. who shop with us, but it means we really focus on those people who are interested in taste, in quality, in freshness, and uh, also in health and wellness. So our health and wellness portfolio, when you think about it, consists of pharmacy, organic products, uh, community natural foods, and our natural choice in, in food stores, et cetera, and uh, home health care, right? So uh, we have a lot of personal touch health businesses. So that's our focus, health and wellness, taste, quality, and we want to win with those customers. So you notice I haven't mentioned the word price in the same breath. <laughs> we do track prices. We are very competitive, but we're not, we're not on that other extreme model, which is all about, uh, you know, we're in stock and that's the service. That's just not good enough when it comes to customer experience. I really appreciate that. And I, the discipline, even as a marketer, when you're working with a client and trying to get them to go, who are we actually, well, we want to speak to everybody at once. I'm like, well, then you speak to no one, you know, and that's, yeah. it's an old adage, but it happens. Curious around inspired team members. And, and I'm being a little bit blunt and maybe a bit, you know, yeah. culturally, mm -hmm. I'm making 15 bucks an hour, $18 an hour, and mm -hmm. I'm stocking produce or I'm working, I'm wearing a jacket because I'm working in the dairy section or the yes. section and I'm cold from a leadership perspective mm -hmm. and it, how, how do you keep that level of inspiration, you know, inspired team members? I love it. How do you keep that alive? Cause that's a constant battle. I think for so many of us, you know, as, as employees or as employers trying to keep that evenly, you know, balanced across a whole organization from more senior leadership that are maybe at the table, seeing and understanding the, the strategy at a grassroots level and part of like architecting it to I'm just showing up. I'm just showing up to do my shift and I'm not minimizing those individuals, but it's a different dynamic depending on, you know, who you are and kind of why you're showing up for that shift? Well, it's a great question. And, you know, there are many dimensions to what keeps people inspired and coming into work every day. Uh, one dimension is paying them fairly and making sure they have good working conditions. We have a huge focus on that. We always have. Second, uh, I believe, is making sure that you define the future. So they're excited to be part of what for Calgary Co-op I call the movement. Calgary Co-ops, we're not just a cooperative, we are a movement. And the movement is all about, so tell me what the future brings that is exciting to me. Well, here's what some of the things are that it brings. We're very focused on social good. So uh, we define a goal this year, this upcoming year, 2023, our goal will be $3.5 million, which is 500,000 more than this year, in terms of our giving strategy. And our giving strategy goes everywhere from, uh, you know, uh, food security through uh, things we do with the Calgary Food Bank, etc., all the way to the Calgary Emergency Women's Shelter. So quite a wide range, but I will say it's very focused, of course, on food security. Uh, within that, we refresh with new programs and excitement and inspiration every year that engages our team members and our members, but first our team members. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Uh, for a few years, we've been trying to figure out uh, what to do to reduce our fresh food waste. And our team members have been telling us this. When I say we've been trying to figure it out, because they've been talking to us going, hey, we're throwing away bread, what can we do? We're throwing away produce. So we've been trying to order right, sell right, have each store organized so you know what sells more in a store is what's available and we're not throwing it. And that's good, we've controlled that. But last year with our team members' help and in collaboration with the Calgary Food Bank, we, we launched what we call the Fresh Food Rescue Program. 
So now, uh, you know, we piloted good brand. It. That's good branding, by yeah. the way. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So how did we do it? Well, we, we got a few stores in the room with the food bank and said, look, uh, we want the food bank to pick up product from your store when it still has a couple of days on it. And usually you would throw it out at that stage. Can the food bank pick up on a daily basis? And can we organize these into different tools? So anyway, needless to say, fast forward to today and all stores are on board. They're so excited about it. We have handed out uh, hampers to 16,000 people, uh, 260,000 pounds of food. Uh, and uh, it's quite simple. The food bank comes in every uh, day, picks up uh, these totes. We have different colors of totes for different departments, produce, meat, deli, bakery. And the program is, uh, is very much due to energized team members who now feel like they're not coming to work just to get paid. They're part of a movement that is helping Calgarians in a time when they can't buy food, many of them. So social good. Second, the environment. You know, what are we doing about the environment? So uh, we've been focused on, uh, in the past, doing many things. We've got combined heating and power units that save 30% of uh, electricity off the grid. They use natural gas uh, to uh, create, uh, you know, power and heat the store. And uh, the reality is that, uh, you know, a lot of companies haven't even gone there. So we've done that. Uh, we built stores, uh, smaller, our latest store in November of last year was uh, much smaller, 30,000 square feet. So we're not heating a massive store and utilities and all of those things. We've begun to install electric vehicle chargers. Uh, you know, we've been the first in the market years ago to launch compostable checkout bags. And in fact, we're actually battling right now to keep them in place at the end of next year because they've been included in a plastic ban mysteriously. Uh, but what I will tell you just uh, is a number. We have kept 100 million plastic bags out of landfills since we started this program approximately three years ago. Because we use about 33 million plastic bags a year is what we were using. Mm -hmm. So members love it. And uh, so there's the environment. So socially, environmentally, and then strategically. Tell me how we're going to beat our competition in the long term. So we invest a lot of time. I invest a lot of time personally talking to team members at conferences and visiting our stores one-on-one. -on -one. I sit in on sessions with team members in the stores. They explain where we're going and why it's so exciting and why their role is very, very important to our success. So when people know where we're going and what, how they can make it happen and why they're so crucial, right, uh, and that it's a movement around the environment, around social, around the community, this is a whole, it's, it's a, it changes the ball game dramatically. And by the way, I don't know a lot of CEOs uh, that you'll see in stores at store level meetings on a regular basis, but I am able to do it because Calgary Co-op stores are all within a small geography. I can actually <laughs> visit them in a day. Can you believe that? So I was actually never able to do that with previous employers. So uh, the beauty, beauty of it is I can visit our stores. I can visit our council members. Uh, I can visit local partners, whether it's Heritage Park or the Stampede, you know, uh, it's a whole different feeling versus larger companies where, uh, the leaders may not be in, you know, if we see them on a video call, but they never actually show up. So for all of those reasons, I think team members are very inspired. We have a lot of long service team members, Tyler. We've been doing uh, long service award ceremonies twice a year. We had our first 50 year employee, 50 year employee a few years ago, like three years ago. Now we got a whole bunch more coming up. So people love to be here. Uh, they won't let me go wrong. Uh, which is another thing, that, you know, <laughs> the beauty of this culture is it, it keeps you in check to go, no, that, that's, you know, that's not good for the community. We shouldn't do that. So the questions I get are not typical of uh, what a corporate environment might look like where okay. there's a lot of power and authority in play. 
you kind of remind me of the old, I don't, I don't even know where this came from, but someone was sweeping the floors at NASA and someone said, what do you do here? Well, we send people to the moon. I thought you swept the floors. Oh no, no, no. That's just what I do to allow them to do that. I don't know the context of that, of that yeah. story, but it, it was resonating with me as you're talking. Have a vision shared often and allow people to feel in, in, included, but it takes the time and effort. And I love what you it said does. about, there's a geographic kind of superpower you have about being able to get access to people regularly. Mm-hmm. You know, we can say we're inclusive, but you know, head offices and quote unquote, the other side of the country, that's not the case for Calgary co-op. So I do yeah. appreciate, you know, what makes us, what are our superpowers that could be seen as, Oh, we're smaller. No, yeah. actually let's use it to our advantage. <laughs> yeah. I would put, I would put it into words, almost personal and authentic, you know, uh, talking to someone personally about how they're doing, how they're feeling, uh, what's going on in their life and actually caring about it. So <laughs> caring the, the about what they actually the say next. Difference, right? Because I, you know, am I talking to you so I can get to talking to you about the strategy or am I talking <laughs> to you about how you're doing first and you? And then if we're all good there, then we'll talk about uh, the company that you work for. And so now I feel like you actually care. So, you know, uh, actually it's all about time. It's all about time. If you care, you spend time with people. That is yes, because it's the only it's the one commodity that when, when given, you know, it can be exponentially valuable, but you can't get more of it. Curious, you made a comment about food security, you know, just thinking about local, there's a lot of, uh, you can't really turn on the news now, look at, you know, we've got energy crisis emerging in, you know, in Europe for the winter, like really scared about what's actually going to happen over there. Mm-hmm. Then you quickly move to food mm-hmm. and scarcity around like, are we entering an era where all of a sudden we're going to be in famine conditions in certain countries in this mo- quote unquote modern time? Yeah. Curious about how important or, you know, how closely do you work with, you know, the word, you know, you said local so many times and yes. so much yes. produce and, you know, farm to table. And we all think about that now in a way that we didn't five years ago, or there was a sliver that did, but now it's becoming yes. much more mainstream. How much of that is a factor? Like you are still to a certain degree, and I'm not saying this to minimize, but you're kind of a middleman because ultimately I'm a consumer and ultimately yeah. there's a farmer somewhere creating produce. Yeah. How much time do you spend? I can only imagine quite a bit ensuring yes. that those businesses are successful and supported because without them, your model doesn't work either. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, great, great thought, Tyler. You know, we have 3,850 roughly team members. Uh, our belief is we probably provide employment beyond that to about a thousand local producer employees. Mm. So we have 120 plus uh, local producers represented with over 2,400 items in our stores. Uh, We source all our fresh uh, meat locally in Alberta. We have a relationship on our private brands. So, you know, uh, I don't know if you can see behind me, but I got not very well displayed uh, a bunch of items under the branding we launched a couple of years ago called Cal and Gary's named after the city we live in of course again I, rem- I remember I, as a marketer <laughs> I remember when you did that yeah nobody's copying it you know because uh, <laughs> they don't they don't have all of their operation here but uh, Cal and Gary's as well uses uh, a lot of local producers and so our starting point is always when it comes to food or any product as well as any service can we get it locally and so we first reach out. We recently launched our, our gelato. It's made locally, uh, you know, and so on. There's a whole list of things. Uh, sometimes we're challenged with local producers in terms of them having enough product or having the right costing and quality. Uh, but we try to work through that and we'll provide guidance to local producers often. I've had, uh, I'll tell you, a couple of suppliers, potential suppliers coming in and saying, how do I commercialize my product? And I'll give you the best example of the whole thing. So it takes two hands to clap. We can give as much advice as we want, but they've got to step up as well. And I'll give you the example is uh, a lady called Siobhan Miller. 
Uh, so Siobhan uh, came to see us and she uh, wanted to know what she could do. Uh, she has a restaurant, Chantini, and uh, she said, look, I, you know, go through the pandemic. It's obviously devastating to my business. Uh, what, how could I actually sell my products in, in your stores? And so she came in, we had our entire team in the, in the building, in the same room as her, and we chatted about what it takes uh, to get on our shelves. We then strolled across next door to our store. You know, again, think about the geography and how easy this is. We strolled over literally, and I couldn't go with them. I actually was busy. I said, hey, you take Siobhan to the store. Please show her what we do and show her the competitive products, especially in the Delhi area uh, and not just grocery because her product is so fantastic, very good quality. And, you know, they all came back and Siobhan popped her head into my office and I said, how did it go? She says, I know what to do. That was it. She just said, I know what to do. And the next thing we knew, she was uh, producing uh, amazing pasta sauces and pastas and other products. And, uh, you know, we were able to put them in our stores. Um, and they weren't cheap. They were high quality. It was all about quality, fresh product. And so there's an example of a supplier that we worked with. We supported them and they put in our stores an amazing product that makes us makes us different, too. Uh, so. That's just one example, but there are many where we've uh, worked with local producers, local providers, and we continue to. And it's all, it's our mandate, you know, when we've, it's the key question we always ask is, what are we doing for the environment? What are we doing socially? And by the way, how are we looking after our local uh, membership? You know, these same folks shop in our stores. So, mm. yeah. What, just to touch on, how, you, sorry, I, I missed the number. How many products do you have? And like, what 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 portion are local? And do you know the percentage? Like, off the yes. head? We have 2,400 uh, local 2,400. products. 2,400. Yeah, it, and local. you can say, you know, now we have thousands of products in our food stores, you know, north of 30,000 products, but uh, 2,400 and growing. I will tell you that uh, a few years ago, we switched where we buy our food in terms of our wholesaler. And when we did, we created our own flyers, we created our own private brands, mm -hmm. and we had about six or 700 uh, local items at that time. So we've gone, we've gone to almost, uh, you know, four times what we had uh, when we first switched uh, due to the independence of being able to buy what we need to support our local uh, economy as well as to differentiate ourselves. So it's been a mandate that we've really focused on uh, in all lines of business, whether it's real estate and construction, whether it's, uh, you know, our marketing team looking for uh, a service provider, whether it's uh, food or, or, you know, any of the other pieces of business we have. I was, of course, I was doing a little bit. We're all professional creepers, so your 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 Wikipedia page is quite informative. So I did, I did, I was spinning around the section about when you made that decision to move yeah. away from the FCL as kind of your, and it sounds like to be able to live your mandate, that was it, because it, it certainly reads like that was a fairly big kind of turning point in terms of your business making that decision. Yes. But it, it also sounds like very clearly the strategy you were trying to deliver on arguably couldn't be delivered on fully with that old model. Yes, it would need tremendous adaptation from how our wholesaler was doing business with us. Uh, and we needed a private brand, for example, that would truly be different from the marketplace and be curated for Calgarians. Uh, we needed uh, improved financial uh, costing on our products, frankly. Uh, we needed the ability to tailor our uh, flyer communication. You know, flyers cost a lot of money and uh, it's one of the biggest uh, I'll call it price, traffic, and assortment drivers. And we needed the ability to have that much more tailored, a fresh, local community. Uh, now we're able to do all of those things. So that was a very crucial decision for sure. It was a very difficult one, by the way. A lot of diligence had to go into it. And uh, we were really trying to make sure we were able to uh, first communicate what, we, uh, what our needs were over the years, which we did for years. 
but ultimately mm -hmm. there was a realization that change wasn't coming at the pace uh, or uh, the quantum that we needed. Based on the, the member model, would a decision like that, does that eventually get to a point where there is a vote being held and members can be involved? Or is that something that's decided at kind of at the corporate level and then more distributed afterwards? Like just, I'm again, really trying to understand yeah. this model of collaborative decision-making and it sounds great, but it often can be challenging when big shifts like that, it takes so much understanding yeah. to know the why and the nuance behind a change. It's sometimes hard to vote against it when you don't have all the information, which is sometimes really hard to do. Yes, that's a great point, uh, Tyler. And, you know, we invested a lot of uh, time in the diligence around the decision. Uh, you know, several uh, meetings with our board, uh, lots of diligence by the management team. So, you know, at the heart of it always is two things. One, uh, that the board is elected and represents the membership. So they are empowered to make uh, major decisions. Second is the, uh, the reality that customers, that our members typically don't understand uh, the financial pieces uh, around purchasing and costs and, and uh, you know, supply situations, uh, market conditions of differentiation and competitiveness. Uh, what they do understand is shopping. And so, you know, they had made it clear through our research over the years that they wanted us to be much more unique and tailored and customized to them and to their needs. And the Cadbury market is quite different to other markets. You know, we have a population here that's, uh, if you look at the stats, better educated, uh, slightly higher income on average, and slightly younger, all of those things. So uh, part of our focus as we move forward is also on uh, driving our offering towards the younger Calgarian, uh, the newer Calgarian, et cetera. So, uh, you know, we, we invested a lot of time after we switched in making sure we established with our membership uh, the value of having Calgarians, founders and farmers, uh, and uh, also of making sure we talk about these local products that they're loving. So the results, we're seeing a, a huge pickup in local through our stores, uh, a huge awareness of Cal and Gary's, uh, and uh, we, we're driving that. Hopefully we can get back to sampling some of those products, et cetera. But yeah, so the membership uh, engages with us uh, through research, uh, through uh, you know focus groups and questions that we ask of them from time to time. Uh, the membership engages in events. We hear from them there. And uh, then our board represents them and engages with them as well. To me, it's such a great example of, you know, as most organizations, we're not, we don't big enough or have the reach to create culture, but if culture is trending in a direction, especially because you had the discipline around who your target audience is, as you explain them, taste, quality, freshness, but also the whole health individual, not just the grocery basket and that trend and being able to capitalize on it and being there, you know, it's almost, you want it in a perfect world, you intersect it as the wave is going because it's often hard to try to create the wave yourself. <laughs> it is. And, you know, uh, the challenge uh, in this process always in strategy strategy is all about deselection and you know the challenge was deselecting <laughs> well things said. we wouldn't do well you know i still have yeah. a lot of team members i have new board members often new management members that will come in and go uh, why don't we lower our prices you know uh, in that I, i've always called it the lazy person's route right and and route is is a word that can be used in the sense of being routed you know because the reality <laughs> is if you lower your prices enough you'll be out of business you can't offer quality selection, service, and community focus to the extent Calgary Co-op does, and also be, uh, you know, matching everyone's prices to the lowest end. Um, because what you'll end up having to do is reduce service, reduce quality, etc. So, uh, you know, when you asked about how we keep our team members inspired, uh, this is a key point I'm often explaining to team members in our stores. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I walk in and I'm strolling around the produce department, and I say hi, and they go, hi, I go, 
how are you doing today? They go, great. I go, what, how long have you been with Calgary Co-op? And, and then they go, and who are you? I go, I'm Ken, the CEO. They go, oh, oh well, I had the CEO come chat with me and produce before, you know? And then, and then they go, hey, uh, what do you think about our prices, you know? And then I explain <laughs> this model. Because remember, a lot of those team members are not earning... Uh, like you know, senior executives and and, uh, and so on, and they they just some for them it's a temporary job in some cases. So I'm very very frequently explaining this model of service quality and the investment we're making in the left hand side, if you like, uh, of the spectrum, versus going down the pipe uh, on price and uh, and probably. Uh, getting flushed away like many retailers have. Well, it's understanding where you sit on the continuum of, you know, the the in our, in our world, it's good, fast, and cheap. You can never have all three. You can have two in the triangle, yeah. but you get all three, it falls apart. It can't be fast, it can't be good, and it can't be cheap at the same time. It's tempting, you know, it's so tempting. It, it is very, If I just oh, lower my price, I can sell is. more, right? Uh, but you can't yes. do it in a service model. And so the commitment <laughs> we've made is to the service model. Yes, it's very enticing, isn't it? <laughs> you got to get out the graph and run and run some numbers. Uh, curious. I'm going to get into a few maybe crystal ball questions for sure. Yes. You be, you've you've instantly become my de facto expert. I hope you know that. That's the risk of coming on the show. I will just start asking you any question. Pleasure, You're like Tyler, way out of left field. Um, cannabis, ten mm-hmm. locations. You were very early on. Yes. A lot of hype. A lot of buzz. Yes. Lots about you know. Lots of. Maybe I was called the cannabis hangover. Let's call it. Let's call it that. Maybe that's a maybe that's a bad choice of maybe that's a bad choice of term. Yes. But we have too many stores in Alberta. There's stores that are struggling. I have lots yes. of friends that got out early and did well. I have lots of mm. friends that stayed involved and didn't and didn't so so well. Curious on where you see things maybe netting out as you look out the next three yes. to five years, specifically in the cannabis space. You betcha. You know, I come back to strategy. Uh, a lot of people think about strategy. They don't quite know what it is. Strategy is really about where you are today where you want to get to, and then how you're going to get there. But there's other parts to it. There's the financials, and there's the culture, and all of those things, you know, there's a phrase, culture, eat strategy for breakfast. Uh, <laughs> I've heard that many culture, times. <laughs> financials, and one piece people don't often talk about is risk. So, uh, you know, there's a big phrase used in corporations, enterprise risk management. Uh, well, Calgary Corp does enterprise risk management as well. So when we look at a new business like cannabis, we did a lot of work on risk and benefits, right? And the number one reason we got into cannabis was because we, because we believe that we have a high trust score. And so uh, we can provide a safe, informative environment with good, clean conditions, uh, you know, polished uh, environment that customers can shop in. Um, and we looked at the marketplace and what we saw was that everyone and his dog was going to get into this business. So, so if everyone and his dog, why wouldn't you have a safe and trusted business jump in? And this is why we jumped in. Other parts of our diligence, including included visiting markets that had cannabis already. We went to Denver, Colorado, for example, and we looked at stores and we talked to retailers there. Uh, we looked at potential impacts to our liquor business uh, because they're both recreational items. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we got into that business very, very early, and it was one of the uh, another I'll say innovation from Calgary Co-op. I can tell you some of our some of our. Uh, team members and board members and management was also going, yikes, are we doing the right thing? Will we have people, yeah, uh, you sure. know, uh, members complaining? We had one person standing outside one store one day with, uh, you know, a sign uh, about not getting in it. Our members embraced it and were very pleased. Now, when you get in early, you also have to go through the growing pains of an industry. And so we've gone through the growing pains uh, together with uh, our competitors and, uh, and government uh, and customers. Uh, but we needed to manage our risk. And how we did that, Tyler, was when we moved into the cannabis business, we stayed on our own pads. We did not take out new leases, right? So our 10 locations are all on existing pads of Calgary Co-op, 
And uh, we know and we always knew that if we needed to swivel out of it, we could. And that was sort of our safety net. Having said that, we're very happy in the business. Uh, we think there's too many stores. We think uh, there's a polarization again happening in the market with discount pricing and then mm -hmm. regular stores. Uh, we think that uh, there are many uh, cannabis retailers uh, going uh, closed down. Uh, we're seeing that already. Just saw an announcement a couple of days ago. Uh, and we plan to, uh, you know, when you get into a business, we tend to stay for the long term. We're not in, you know, buy, grow it and sell it kind of a business. Uh, so uh, we're pleased to be in that as a new business. Uh, we obviously are not pleased with the growth, uh, like all other retailers, because there's just too many stores. But my feeling is we're doing the right thing socially and financially. And from a social angle, this was all about stopping with the street corner seller and having mm -hmm. safe uh, health and safe health and safety conditions, uh, which Calgary Co-op does provide. And our hope is that over time there'll be, uh, you know, a more uh, finite number of locations, and uh, that we'll be able to continue to grow that business. But for now, uh, we will proceed cautiously. I really appreciate you, you know the underpinning of what you said. There was there's people that started it to be operators and build a long term you know complementary service to their business like co-op. And I know a lot of individuals or groups that got into it. We just want to build it, flip it, make some money, move on, yeah. get rich on the cannabis train. Those are very different business models, and that leads to like, oh, geez, sales are down. Let's slash prices. Let's do whatever we yes. need to do to try to make rent that month. <laughs> then try to package up five stores and sell it to somebody from another province. And I've seen a lot of that happen. Very different mindset versus no, we're going to yeah. be here for another quote unquote sixty five years let's think about this thing on that scale versus how do we get out by the end of the year <laughs> two very yeah. different operating and there's a whole bunch in between for sure i don't want to it comes back you know so much comes back to strategy and that's really uh, yeah. you know leader, leadership's role and then you help expand but you know even when you talk about local uh you know we've even pulled that thread through our cannabis stores we have a lot of local uh, pipes and bongs and things that we're selling you know locally blown mm -hmm. glass and so on mm -hmm. so there's ways to take your business and spin it a, a little differently so that when people walk in, they go, oh, wow. you know." And I can't tell you how many people have walked in to our stores, many people that have shopped Calgary Co-op and never been in the cannabis store. And I'll chat with them, have you been in the store next door? They go, oh, I go, let's stroll over, right? And they go, really? You know, because their image of what a cannabis There's store a might look like. There's a stigma. Yeah, yeah, so we've helped bring that down. And recently, uh, you know, with support from uh, from the government, we're able to actually take down the... Uh, uh, the window coverings and so on. Yes, as well, I've seen which that, which really, I think is great. I think yeah, that's Yeah, it helps health and safety. I get why they did it, but I also were uh, the the risk that that was creating for in store staff. Like I think yeah. that was just for the, maybe a good a, a good intention, but not always thought through. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I give the government always an opportunity to you know re reframe their re reframe their decisions and, and move yes, forward. Yes. With new, it's a learning curve, you know. And, it is. And that's I mean, yeah. the price you pay when you go in early into a new business. But if you yeah. go in late, sometimes you're too late to the party. Yes, you missed you missed that you missed that with the crest. You get you get crashed by the waves. You don't get to ride it. Uh, you can't go anywhere without you know, obviously the big eye, the big inflation word, especially around food, that's, I think it's impacted. And that's where I don't care where you sit in the chain of socioeconomic, we're being impacted by the cost of that basket goes up. And there's also this big recession word that's floating around about where are we headed? And is it going to be a geographic recession? Is it global? What's going to be the impact? So as a business, and you happen to be in a grocery business that is so, you know, one-to-one -one with the consumer at every level of every walk of life, what are you thinking? What are you seeing, you know, running it out because i know you guys are doing your forecasting and looking at the bigger picture yes. do we do we see some really dark times ahead and you know if so what are you guys doing to shore that up and what, you know what, what what's your what's your crystal ball look like over there ken <laughs> right so uh, you know i think uh, my first thought would be that we are probably more optimistic than many uh, but cautiously optimistic 
uh, what we're seeing and and when we see some you know what we see and talked about strategy and tactics although we have a strategy our tactics often respond in the shorter term and what we're seeing in the short term is uh, more purchase of private brand products in order to save money because uh, private brands tend to be uh, cheaper sometimes almost 20 30 percent cheaper than a national brand we're seeing uh, much more shopping for deals and discounts uh, so our flyer, our in-store savings program, and our personalized couponing that we do electronically for our members on the loyalty program that I was talking about earlier, uh, genuinely is a focus for us even more so than ever, so that it saves our customers uh, money. Um, having said all of that, we're also trying to balance that with service. And so we, we bring, we're, we're dialing up the services that we used to offer. Now, simultaneously, we're keeping pressure on the supply chain. So we're constantly pressuring our suppliers to provide better cost, uh, but we got to be cautious that we don't, you know, break the backs of quality uh, when we do that. So uh, that's another focus area for us. Uh, we're seeing people come in more often, Tyler. So the number of people coming into our stores is substantially increasing uh, on a weekly basis. The trend is upwards, but they're buying a little less each time they come in. So the interesting mm, thing, interesting. during the pandemic, we had, you know, a family wouldn't come in anymore. Just one person would come in on behalf of the family. They would buy like a boatload of product and they would leave. And we'd see them again eight weeks later sometimes, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, I'm putting everything yes. in the freezer and I'm, you know, I've got to be safe. So that that has very much gone. The pandemic okay. uh, piece is now quite reversed. Now I have a limited amount of money. I'm paying a lot more for fuel and for gas. Uh, you know, my employment conditions necessarily haven't changed. I'm not getting paid dramatically more. So I get less, less disposable income. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to come in more often uh, and ideally to my local store. And uh, because I don't want to have to drive around the city, I'm going to watch for the deals and I'm going to buy uh, what I need for the next couple, two, three days. I may not even do my whole week's shopping. So uh, it's a very interesting trend, which, by the way, having lived uh, in the Far East uh, and, and worked in places like India uh, when, I, uh, when I first started my career. It's interesting because the Asian shopper, believe it or not, could shop three, four times a week. And they, they shop yeah. with a basket and, uh, you know, it's all about fresh quality. So when you think about food and fresh quality, it actually lines up very well with, uh, you know, I'm going to go buy what's on deal today and uh, just, yeah. you know, cook it this evening and might be back tomorrow for more. So. I'm seeing what I would call almost a, a regression towards, uh, uh, you know, frequency of shopping is increasing, buying less, looking for those deals. But uh, in some cases, unfortunately, what we're also seeing, Tyler, is consuming less. We're actually seeing people beyond downgrading, you know, where they might buy AAA beef, they move to AA, or where they were buying beef, they moved okay. to pork and chicken, as an example. But also they're buying less of it. And we've seen lots of research nationally on this and uh, from the U.S. as well, that consumers have actually reduced consumption. And that's not a good situation. So, uh, you know, so when it comes to, for example, healthy products, they cost a little more typically, right? Health food products. Uh, we've seen a decline there. And it's clearly uh, not all about they're buying an alternative. In some cases, they're just consuming less. 
that's scary on a few different fronts because you're right. It's often the quote unquote healthy choice. That's a few pennies more that gets left out of the basket because you yes. go for maybe the lower quality, you know, the food in the cardboard box versus the food, you know, in, in, yeah. sitting in its own, in its, in its yeah. own self. Uh, any, does that correlate anything to the trend of people maybe eating out less often? Or I know through COVID I, myself, I discovered cooking classes on masterclass. My wife's life has got a lot better because now I'm cooking <laughs> on a regular basis, but we shop very differently now because I'm cooking much more frequently and we're eating dinner together. One of the best side effects of COVID, my wife and I yes. dinner together every night, but we very much cook differently. We're not just grabbing and going, we're sitting and eating. I'm assuming you've seen that a little bit also in type in the type of yes. basket? Yes. You know, how I often have described that is uh, earlier eating out was an occasion. Now eating in has become an occasion, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and earlier like it was it, earlier eating in was occasional and now it's not occasional. You know, it's more frequent, but we value each other more. We value time with each other more because, you know, everything COVID taught us about not even being able to be in the same room sometimes, in the same house. So, yes, we are definitely seeing a little bit of that. And it's been up and down, Tyler. You know, coming out of the pandemic, there was a big rush to go eat in, in restaurants. You know, I haven't been able to get out there. I'm going. You know, I yes, can't pent travel. Up, pent up, yeah, pent up. Yeah, I can travel. So now I'm traveling. You know, so that <laughs> pent upness. So there's, I would say, there's two extremes happening. Some people are still going. Geez, I want to get out there because they still haven't had enough of it. But in general, there's a drift uh, as you know, uh, income has been impacted by inflation. There's definitely a drift towards. Look, uh, I can eat better at home. And the pandemic, to your point, Tyler, taught us. It taught us from. You know, your cooking skills getting enhanced. <laughs> it told us that we can actually buy quality products in the liquor store or the food store at a much cheaper price than in a restaurant, you know, and in safe and clean conditions with the services that we provide of helping you cook it or talking to you about complimentary products to purchase along with it and helping you set your table. So I think people have discovered simultaneously through the pandemic that uh, there is a way to eat healthy and eat cheaper. So there's some of that, and I think that has impacted restaurants. Yeah, certainly. Just, there's no lack of new restaurants in Calgary, but I have been out yes. recently, and the prices, uh, you feel it. Like, I'm like, whoa, yeah. that did not feel like a $150 dinner. Or, you know, uh, what used to be a, a $30 lunch is now a $70 lunch. And it's amazing. Yes. Like, it feels like it's jumped up significantly. Yes, and, and we it's, want it's to tip very more. qualitative, but you feel it. You feel it. <laughs> yeah, and we want to tip more. You know, everyone wants to tip it. Tip this for services more because you really appreciate people so much more. And, you know, that pushes your bill up as well. And, and uh, so it's, it's a tough tough situation but you know I, I love the the dining scene in Calgary and and I'm a supporter of, of going out and, and eating in restaurants but all of us in the industry uh, whether it's restaurants or grocery stores we've all felt the, the pinch of inflation uh, we also have to look after our team members we've we're still spending a lot on making sure that we're doing uh, I'd say uh, COVID focused cleaning and services related to that so uh, a lot of costs have been added through COVID and have not gone away and no, then uh, inflation's come along with, uh, with uh, you know, the war in Ukraine affecting yes. uh, us as well. Uh, last question, I promise here, because I'm going to let you get back to your, let get back to your busy day. Um, innovation, when it comes to your suppliers, innovative ways to vertical farming. And there's so many interesting little pockets that I'm seeing that I don't think mm-hmm. have really reached scale yet in Alberta, but it feels like there's definitely an appetite and there's some funding starting to move. You know, we, ag is our backbone as a, as a province, you know, very quickly followed by our energy sector. And, but you yeah. know, ag was here before at all. When you think about mm-hmm. the innovation, I've talked to a few people in that space, like, Hey, Tyler, there's nobody more innovative than the farming community. Cause they've always had to be. And I've seen some pockets of the way produce is getting created. Is that something that's exciting or interest of you? 
you and what have you seen? And is there in a value, does that fall, does that pull all the way through to the consumer where I'm going to buy that one because it's local, but also because of the way it was actually grown? Are you seeing the customer starting to demand that? Like, are we getting smarter as a consumer to be able to pick that out of the shelf? You know, it's an interesting question you ask. I, I think at the heart of it all is what I would call commercial innovation. So Albertans, are, you know, I think it's in the DNA that uh, Albertans are, are innovative and enterprising, you know, across all industries. And yes, there's been a lot of people push into uh, vertical farming and things like that. The challenge we're often seeing is commercial viability. In other words, two or three things. One, can you produce in the quantities we're going to need? Uh, two, uh, what are your costs? And uh, how does that compare to what I can procure elsewhere? So uh, because customers in this time frame, especially, I think there's been a bit of a pullback on the trend of, you know, let's buy everything locally. And now it's local with a purpose. Uh, in other words, I'll buy a local. I want to support local. That's the purpose. But it better be uh, with the right value equation. So I'm not going to pay 20, 30 percent more. So when we've chatted with consumers, uh, many of them are members, they've said we'll pay a little more for local but not a whole lot more, you know. Yeah. So uh, so local, when we did our research, I told you in 2016, you know, we learned clearly that local is important, but it's a tiebreaker. It's not a game changer as in hmm. hanging a right instead of a left. So yeah. we've been careful that just because we're local, that does not mean people will come to us. It has to be with a purpose. So pricing, cost of goods, uh, you know, you can't pass along everything to the customer because it's local. I really appreciate that, and I think that's the almighty, the power of the almighty dollar. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, it's you know I, I love chatting with local producers because they'll often say, "Well, what do you think?" You know, because uh, I sell it to this restaurant, and you know, there's a huge difference between what you'll pay uh, for a bag of pasta in a grocery <laughs> store versus a bowl <laughs> of pasta in a restaurant. And so it's like consumers when they walk into a restaurant expect to be, you know, I'm going to be spending today. When they walk into a grocery store, they go, okay, I'm watching every penny. And it's, I always laugh at that because I go, wow, you know, that same person who came in and bought all the deals <laughs> is now going to go uh, have uh, dinner at a fancy restaurant. And that's okay. You know, you don't feel ripped off. <laughs> Ken, that's how I afford to go to the fancy restaurant because uh, I've been economic true. and saving there. I'm load balancing uh, my spending. <laughs> Tyler, you're, you know, what you're describing actually is a trend we've seen over the last 10, 20 years is, uh, you know, I'll save and I'll splurge. I'll uh, eat very healthy, but then I'll indulge. So in other words, (laughs) all week I'm eating healthy, but on Wednesday I'm going to Wings Night at the local pub. You know, so people have this thing of, I I need to reward myself, but I'm going to do it with portion control. Yes, I think that's very humans. We're we're, we're a very complex, very interesting bunch, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) I love human psychology. Yes, it, oh, it, you'll never get bored because it's also, you can practice it every day, <laughs> never, ma- mainly on yourself as subject matter number one. <laughs> oh, for sure. I haven't figured myself out, but uh, it seems to be easier to figure everybody else out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm an, I'm an expert on what expert. other people should do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ken, I think that, that that's a nice, a very humble, honest note to end on. But Ken, thanks so much for your time today, your honesty, and I really appreciate just kind of going on the journey with you and having a good old-fashioned conversation. So thank you. Uh, likewise, Tyler. Thank you for having me on the show and uh, great catching up with you again and uh, enjoy the laughs it was an absolute pleasure ken uh and i i won't let people know how to find you because i think that might be redundant when we live in a technology age you can find anyone anywhere and calgary co-op you're probably already been there i hope it gives people a little bit of a different veil now or puts a different set of i'm going to walk through your store of thinking very differently about kind of the understanding and how deliberate you guys are with everything so kudos for that mm. thanks uh, thanks for shopping with us my pleasure have an awesome day you too